And, you know, right after Jimmy left, there was an effort to have younger and taller men. That's why I came. Uh, yeah, so something wrong there. Something happened. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy has an interesting ministry. He, uh, he'll tell you about a roadside church in Ravenna. Started right after leaving here. And then also he has a neat ministry as a chaplain with the Akron Rubber Ducks. Now, why he allowed them to call them the Rubber Ducks, I don't know. But uh, maybe we'll hear from that, too. Jimmy, glad you're here. Wow. Hey. Oh, thanks. Cool. Um, so, yeah, my name's Jimmy. Um, uh, I came down here with Ron. Uh, Ron was here. I had gathered some people to start a church we were meeting across the street, um, and uh, we joined with my small family. Um, at that point, I think we had four kids, uh, then we picked up another one along the way. Uh, so we have a big family. We have little ones. I brought one with me this morning, Cora. She's over there. Cora, raise your hand. Let me see we see you. She's hiding. Oh, there she is. There she is. So we adopted three kids from Cuyahoga County, and we were in the process of that when we were starting this church. So that's part of our story. Um, my wife and my kids are actually up at the other church plant. Uh, we meet in a bowling alley um, at uh, Bill White's Twin Star Lane, um, now called Spins because it just got sold. But we meet there every Sunday, and, uh, and they do bowling at the same time as we're in there. So if you ever uh, were to listen to a sermon that I'm preaching online, you actually hear pins falling in the background. That's crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, but it's, it's cool because we're there. Um, like here, you guys are in the middle of the mall, and there's people walking around while you guys are singing and celebrating Jesus. While we're singing and celebrating Jesus, people are coming in and getting drinks from the bar. Um, and uh, sometimes sitting and listening to the gospel. And we just love that. Um, the other week, we had, they had a tournament, and three or four people that were at the tournament just came in and just sat because they were there for something else, and we were there for the gospel. Uh, so that's what uh, I feel like my life is supposed to be about. That's what I know Ron feels like his life is supposed to be about, and that's what you guys are here, and that's what you're supposed to be about, is bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to the masses, not just uh, having people come in, into your church that's somewhere set off to the side, but being in the middle of where they're at, I think is just so beautiful. Uh, and so God called um, me personally to, um, in a weird way, uh, the, the chaplain of the Indians um, got my name. Um, he was uh, a friend of a friend of a friend and uh, heard that I was down in the Akron area and called me and asked, hey, would you like to uh, be the chaplain for the Akron Rubber Ducks baseball team? It's a double A uh, team. That's a feeder team for the Cleveland Indians, if you didn't know that. Anyways, and, uh, and I said, well, I don't know anything about baseball. Like, I literally, up to that point, watched maybe three baseball games my entire life. I'm not even joking. I'm not the sports guy. I might look like the sports guy. I'm not the sports guy. I run. That's not a sport. It's just what you do when somebody's chasing you, or in my case, when you want to do competition. So, so he, uh, he, was, he, he, he talked for a while, and, and he's like, listen, the guys don't need a fan. They need somebody to come and bring them the gospel. And I hear you're okay at that, and would you care to do that? And I said, well, I'll try. And, man, it was the scariest thing walking into the stadium that first day and introducing myself to guys that were my size but professional athletes. Um, and, I, and then I just came to find out very quickly that they were just young men, uh, just like anybody else, that were in search of meaning and purpose in their life. And for the past four years, I've, I've had the privilege of bringing the gospel every Sunday, uh, preaching a service for the home team uh, down in the dugout while ACDC's playing in the background. And uh, last season, as a purple platypus is running behind me, um, and preaching the gospel in a dugout to 10, 12 guys uh, who are just young men searching for purpose and meaning in their life, and then discipling them uh, through, you know, sometimes uh, over a cup of coffee during the week as they're 
searching for meaning in their life. And then going over to the other side, I do the same thing with the visiting team when they come into town. I, I preach a service for them, and we pray together. And a lot of people think, okay, well, that's weird, right? Every single baseball team in major and minor league baseball has a guy like me who loves Jesus, loves the Bible, and preaches salvation for sinners. Every single baseball team. I don't know if you knew that, but they do. I got to hang out with them in Florida just a few weeks ago. Hundreds of us. Spanish guys, Anglo guys, all bringing the gospel to baseball. Major and minor league. And 17 teams in Cuba. I mean, there's an amazing missions movement going on in baseball, and I'm just really happy to be a part of a little sliver of it. Last, Yeah, right? And so uh, last season, we actually even got to, I'll just share this little thing. I'll talk all morning, because sorry. I, I'm like a guy who talks. That's what I do. <laughs> sorry, you guys come and have fun. But um, one last story about that. Last season, um, we got to see a little bit of cool fruit from that ministry. We got to do a, a, um, a faith-focused night at the baseball stadium where about 200 people stayed after the game, and uh, the head coach of the Akron football team came. He's a great Christian man, and he told me, he's like, I share the gospel with every single player that comes onto my team. Can you believe that? He's like, and they haven't fired me yet. They're not going to because I, I have winning teams. I'm like, well, you're a little arrogant, but you do love Jesus. I love it. <laughs> um, and then one of my players got up, and he shared about his life, and he just boldly shared the gospel with 200 people that were just fans. And I just, I got to sit there and see the ministry that God was building amongst these players and amongst just different things. And the owner, his name's, uh, his last name's, his name's Ken Batty. He's Jewish, right? He doesn't love Jesus, but he, he appreciates what I do there um, and supports me. Um, and so that's been a blessing. And so um, just keep praying for our ministry at the bowling alley, obviously, where we, we minister every Sunday, but also uh, for, for me as I go and uh, minister with uh, my Spanish guy. I just brought on a guy who, who's going to minister specifically for our Spanish players who don't speak English. His name's Jorge, and uh, he's going to start with me this season as my sidekick because um, I don't speak Spanish, uh, and I've got players that need that. And so anyways, um, yep, that's about all I got. Oh, it, you know, I... When you start thinking about pastors who do regular pastor jobs, guys like me and Ron and Phil, like, we do all sorts of weird stuff. So, like, I might get a call in the middle of the night because I have my name on a list for the hospital, and I'll go up and pray with somebody who's on their deathbed because I feel like, as a pastor in the community, I need to be there for people. And I'm a chaplain for the fire department, too. So, I mean, I do all sorts of weird stuff for Jesus uh, just because I feel like he's called me to just not exist to preach on a Sunday but to exist for his purpose and his kingdom. Um, So that's who I am. Not very perfect, um, but I do love Jesus, and I'm so glad that you guys are here and continue to support this ministry. So, Phil, or somebody, anybody? Yeah? Cool. Thank you. Oh, I'm supposed to pray, right? <laughs> Am I supposed to pray, or are you, are you good? Open in, prayer, Open in prayer, please. Thank you. Okay, let me pray. All right, let's go. Jesus, we thank you this morning. You're the reason we're here. Um, I'm so grateful that you let us do anything at all. Uh, we don't even deserve to know you, uh, but you've revealed yourself to many in this room. Many who were lost and now they're found, that were, were, were tied down to sin and burdens. Um, and then you freed us from the shackles of sin and brought us into your kingdom and brought us into who you are and opened us up to serving you even in the smallest of ways. We don't deserve that. Um, and so we come this morning not with obligation to sit here, but with a grateful heart that is poured out for you because of what you poured out for us. Help us to just come closer to that realization, be blessed, and love you more because we're here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jimmy. Good reminder that life is for ministry, huh?
brought a puzzle. Whoa, 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 testing one, two. Okay, got something else up there. Oh. I think that was me, okay? I know it was. I remember the pain when I hit the ground. They surprised me with that. But good morning, church. How you doing? It's great to see you again after a two-month uh, sabbatical. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, five years young, five years growing, five years praising God for what He has done, Amen. It's great to see each one of you, and before I forget, I want to tell each one of you that I love you. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, if you loved us so much, why'd you leave us? Well, believe me, it's for your good, okay? Because see, I'm, I'm down, I'm sliding down, okay? Uh, I'm getting older, but it's great to be back with you today and to see your smiling faces and to bring the Word of God to you today. Man, my heart was encouraged, and I hope yours was too, as Jimmy shared with us what God has done in his life as he's gone from here, as we sent him out, they started roadside, and now he has an opportunity to witness and share the gospel weekly with, with hundreds, literally thousands of people over the course of a year. That's great. Amen? Amen. And he's keeping the main thing, the main thing, Christ. The gospel of Christ, the purpose of the church, he's keeping that uh, as his passion in his heart. And I just want to affirm you, brother, uh, for what you're doing. God bless you. We're praying for you, and, and now I can pray more intelligently for you. So thanks for coming this morning and sharing. It's good to see you and, and take your greetings, take our greetings to your family. Um, wonderful family. I, um, it's just great. And I look forward to hearing from others, too, this morning that are back with us all the way from New York and... Uh, uh, just uh, it's great. It's great to have each one of you here. It's great to be here. Um, this morning I get about thirty minutes instead of fifty or sixty or whatever I normally take, and so I'm going to have to talk quickly, and I'm going to do my best to uh, share with you from the Word of God what I believe God has laid upon my heart for today: the DNA of the body of Christ. And, and as we celebrate and as we think about what God has done and as he, how He has brought this church together. Let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I would just say that Ephesians 4 is just an incredible, or Ephesians is an incredible epistle. It's kind of known as the Mercedes or the Rolls Royce of Paul's epistles. And if you were listening to Jimmy's prayer, he was extolling the virtues of the gospel and of Christ. And, and that's what the first three chapters are about in the book of Ephesians. And then the fourth chapter comes along with a therefore, and we'll get therefore in a minute. But I want to talk to you first about something that, that all of us have in our lives and in our bodies, and it's called DNA, the DNA of the body of Christ. But first, let's understand what DNA is, okay? So let's watch this little video, a little science class. It explains to you how DNA works in the body. Stated Clearly presents, What is DNA? And how does it work? DNA, also known as deoxyribonucleic acid, is a molecule. It's a bunch of atoms stuck together. In the case of DNA, these atoms combine to form the shape of a long, spiraling ladder, sort of like this one here. If you ever studied biology or saw the movie Jurassic Park, you probably heard 
that DNA acts as a blueprint or a recipe for a living thing. But how? How on earth can a mere molecule act as a blueprint for something as complex and wonderful as a tree, a dog, or a dinosaur? To help answer that question, let's first take a quick look at amino acids. Amino acids are tiny little chemicals inside our bodies that are so important, they're often referred to as the building blocks of life. There's about 20 different kinds, each with their own unique shape. The neat thing about them is they can be attached to each other, kind of like Legos, to produce an endless variety of larger particles known as proteins. Amino acids make up proteins. Proteins, along with other chemicals, combine to form living cells. Cells make up tissues. Tissues make up organs. And organs, when they're all put together and functioning, of course, combine to form living creatures like you and me. These proteins that make up our bodies and Keep in mind, there's millions of different kinds of proteins. They each have to be formed in the perfect shape in order to function. If they're the wrong shape, they usually won't work. That's where DNA comes in. DNA does a lot of interesting things, some of which we don't fully understand, but one of its main and most well-understood functions is to tell amino acids how to line up and form themselves into the perfect protein shapes. In theory, if the right proteins are built at the right time and in the right place, everything else from cells to organs to entire creatures will come out just fine. Okay, so there's your science lesson for today that each one of us are made up of very small atoms that are put together to become proteins and they're... they're uh, combined together even more and more to be, and kept in a perfect shape by our Creator, by His design, and they are the building blocks. They are the language code of our body. And this morning, as, let's keep those thoughts in mind as we talk about the DNA of the body of Christ, because God is a master designer, amen? And as he has created the body, so he has created the church and he has ordered it and, and designed it in such a way that it also grows up into a body that can build itself up, that can reproduce. And that is why we are able to be here this morning by the grace of God and by his plan and purpose. And as I said earlier, I brought a puzzle along, okay? This puzzle is kind of like uh, designed for one to five years, okay? Now, being blonde, I got a puzzle once, and it said two to four years on it, and after a year and six months, I gave up because I just couldn't figure it out. But, uh, you know, I figured it was the right puzzle for me. It's supposed to take two to four years. No, just kidding. All right, this puzzle this morning has about six pieces in it, and through the sermon, we're going to ask those pieces, not yet, to come forward. But we're going to build, we're going to look at the puzzle pieces as building blocks of the church, okay? You with me? But first, again, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I feel God has led me to look at this as the building blocks of the church. And for some of you, it may challenge your theology just a little bit. And for others of you, you may say, hey, I get it. And I hope that it generates a lot of dinner conversation. 
not only today, but in the weeks and months and years to come. Because this is so exciting for me as I look at the paradigm of the church, as I look at how God has designed the body of Christ and how we have seen God move and build and grow the body of Christ here at Wellspring. Not simply here, but we have seen it go from here and in a reproducing way. And so this morning, let's turn to chapter 4 and we go uh, here and take a look. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, I therefore, Paul's talking, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I want to pause right there just for a second. Let's ask God for understanding of what we're looking at here because uh, Paul is, is he's doing a therefore and he wants us to see what it's there for. So let's pray. Father God, we just ask you, Lord, to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Give us understanding to what your word is saying this morning. And as we do that, Father, encourage our hearts. Show us how you have blessed us. But most of all, Father, show us how we can be a blessing to you and to others as we go forward from here, both as part of the body of Christ and in our households and in our communities and in our various vocations. Lord, show us today what you desire for us. Amen. You know, as I said before, Ephesians is the Rolls Royce. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, which I, I'm not going to take time to give you an overview, I encourage you to read the first three chapters of Ephesians this afternoon in your devotions because you will see the grace and mercy of God and of Christ His Son and how He works it out and, and how he, he predestined us to be conformed to His image, the image of His Son, which the Bible says is the church. The church is the body of Christ. Amen? And so this morning, here we are, we're celebrating what God has done in spite of the naysayers, in spite of of the opposition, in spite of the enemy, God has established his church here at Wellspring, a local representation of the body of Christ, and we're celebrating five years. Praise God. So here we are, and we're coming to chapter 4, and we read those verses, and, and here's what I see, just the mission of God summarized in these verses. What is it? What, what stands out to you? Unity. God desires to bring us to himself and to one another. That's what he desires. There's one God who is over all and in all and through all. And his desire is that we walk in the bond of peace. His desire is that we walk with humility and gentleness. His desire is that we receive his plan, his design of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's his desire, is to bring us into unity with him. You go back into the Old Testament and you hear God saying about his people, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be their father and they shall be my sons and daughters. This was his desire, his plan. Let us make man in our image. Let's walk with them. Let's commune with them. And that's how it all started out. And then Satan came and deception set in and humankind fell. And so God set out because of his all-wise and knowing plan. He set out to bring us back to himself, to bring us back into unity again that we celebrate here this morning. 
He set out to do that. He was on mission then, and he is on mission today. And I think if I don't get some water, I'm going to be out of commission in a little bit. If somebody wants to bring me a drink, that would be great. So here we are. God is on mission. How many of you have ever heard me say that before? Amen. God is on mission, and he is working in your lives, and he's working in the lives of those in J.C. Penney and down through the mall and in our neighborhood and in our households. Wherever we are, God is on mission to bring us to himself. That's his mission, and that is what we are reminded of here. Thank you, brother. That is what we are reminded of in these first several verses. There's so much more here, but let's take that for now, okay? Now, let's move on to the next uh, part of this. But as we go, let's think of the great commission. In an airplane, you have pilots and you have co-pilots, right? What does the co-pilot do? What's that? Supports the pilot. Jesus, to his disciples as he ascended into heaven, gave them what we call the great commission. When he said, all authority... The same authority of God the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I love this verse. Go. Make disciples. Into all the world. Teaching them to observe, to do, to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even till the 21st century. Or beyond, okay? And beyond. Not an or, but an and. I want you to think with me in and terms this morning. Not simply or terms, but and terms. I am with you and I am with you always. As people of the great commission, being on mission with God, we go what to do to make disciples. With what? With the message of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about briefly here because in verse 7 and, and beyond we see Paul alluding here to the message of Jesus. What does he say? Verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's just unpack that just for a second. That's so exciting. God gave us his grace in Christ. Christ came, and you read the story in the high points for the praise of his glory. He sent his son, Christ, and you walk through the book of Ephesians and you see that we who were once far away have now been brought near. We who were desperate and destitute and without hope and having no way to get to God, Christ came and in his grace, he invited us to come to him. He was sent from the Father and he came to bring you and I to the Father. That's the grace of Jesus. Second or Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul was kind of setting the stage up for what he's laying out here. Let me remind you, the Lord wants to walk with each of us. He wants to be a father to his children. That's what he wants. And so the message of Christ was to bring the good news, and Jesus began preaching by saying, what did he say? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. That was Jesus' primary message. It's a little bit different than the message we hear that Jesus is giving today. And he is giving this one. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. But Jesus began his teaching message with a kind of a prophetic bent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is greater than your kingdom. 
The kingdom of heaven is greater than that circle of you. And Jesus was calling all of the world and all of us to come, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is what is eternal. Are you with me? The kingdom of heaven is the eternal kingdom. Jesus came, sent by God, to come and call us to repentance. And he gave us the gift of grace that we celebrate on the cross. Today is Palm Sunday. Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem for his final act of grace on earth, where he took your place and he took my place on the cross. And he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. He wore the crown of thorns. He took the stripes for me and for you in my place and in your place. And that was his message, was to repent for the kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom is near. Come to me. And that was his message. But he said, in his grace, we see that. But it doesn't just talk about his grace. It talks about his gifts as well. Look at this verse again. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. I've noticed in commentaries that they skip over the first part of chapter four because they're uncomfortable with it. And high church and traditional church wants to kind of quiet this down because it goes on saying, in saying he ascended, and what does it mean? But he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who has also ascended for above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So Christ, in all his authority, in his job that he was given by the Father, he came and he descended and he rose again and he led captives in his train. He has called us. He has captured us. He has brought us victoriously into the kingdom of God which is already here, but not yet. Okay? Now, look at the next one. Verse 11. Key verse for today, folks. Key verse for a church. Key verse for a church that wants to grow and build. And look what it says in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Five types of gifting is, are mentioned here. Five types. Okay? What to do to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to stop there for a little bit and talk about that, unpack that for us a little bit. And as we do that, here's what I want us to ask the question. We've talked about the message of Jesus, and he came and he with his grace, and he brought the way for us to be brought to God and to have fellowship with Him. And He is at the right hand of the Father even now, right now, interceding for you and I. Do you need it? Yes. Do I need it? Yes. Because we are still walking in this dark world. We're still walking in a fallen body who has been called by His grace to walk in the newness of life. And we fail and stumble, don't we? Yes, we do. But we're here this morning by divine appointment because God wants to remind you that in His grace, He has given you gifts. He has given you the building blocks to become a body, to be part of the church of God that is the witness and the light of the world. As Jesus told His disciples, you are the light of the world. 
What was he saying if he didn't back it up with the, with the preparation and the DNA? Okay, I'm going to invite some people here to come and, and help me here as I talk about this DNA. Let's, let's look first at what he says. He, he gave the apostles. Well, what is an apostle? What is that apostle? Well, sir, they stopped when the book was canonized. There's no longer apostles. Let me challenge that thinking just a little bit this morning. Didn't the disciples elect another apostle to take Judas's place? What was his name? Matthias. Thank you. Okay, so that'd be 12, right? Where's Paul come into the picture? He's 13. Why? That throws us off a little bit because there's only 12 apostles. But Paul identifies himself clearly as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And yet, the argument is they were super apostles. They could do miracles and all of that good stuff. And, and they were part of the writing of the canon of Scripture. I get that. I take that into to consideration. But at the same time, he gave some to be apostles for the building up and the equipping of the saints and for the church. Well, what is an apostle? Let me just give you kind of a, a layman's term for an apostle. One who organizes around sentness. Did Jesus, was he sent? Was he an apostle? Yes. He came to, and he told Peter, I will build my church. He was functioning as an apostle. But he also came as a prophet. He said, I don't share anything with you unless the Father gives me the words to say. And he called us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Are those not standards? Are those not things that we are called to do by Christ himself? as a prophet. But he was also an evangelist. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I am the bread of life. I am the water. I'm the light of the world. Come to me. Last week you heard about the woman at the well. Was Jesus an evangelist to her? Yes, he was. He invited her to come, and she invited the city to come. But Jesus was also a shepherd. John 10, I am the good shepherd. And he was also a teacher. We see that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He, the crowd following him, and he went up on a mountain, and he sat down, and he taught them, blessed are the poor in heart. So we see Jesus operating in a five-fold ministry. Amen? Are you with me? You got this? Okay. And he commissions then the church to come after him. And to the church, he gave the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Would you bring uh, the person who I have uh, given, uh, would you bring me an S? Would you bring me an S? Okay. That's one of the pieces of the puzzle. Thank you, Marty. What does that piece stand for? Superman. Superman. All right. Well, you turn around and I, here, uh, there you go. Well, they don't quite look the same. Okay. What does it stand for? According to what I'm talking about this morning, what does the S stand for? He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Shepherds? Shepherds. Okay, shepherds. Good job. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll put the, the shepherd, see, where does he go? Um, I think, let's see, he goes right here. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll let it there for now. Okay. Okay. 
with purpose, I chose people this morning to bring me those. Because let me talk to you a little bit about the shepherd. I'll jump around a little bit here. The shepherds cultivate a loving and caring community. That's what we want in church. They protect and maintain the relational glue. They're the ones among us who work in healing. What do I mean by that? Nurses, doctors, first responders, police, human resources, HR people. These are those who God has, has called and set apart to serve as shepherds. And as you see this morning, when I look at Wellspring, I see glimpses of Jesus' DNA here. I see glimpses of shepherding in Marty and in others because they care about the community of the church and they want to, people to be healthy and happy. And that's, that's, that's our brother Marty. Amen? And he has a son in that line. And I have a wife in that line where this aspect, this dynamic of shepherding is natural. And they gravitate towards it. Okay? I'd like for somebody to bring me the next one, an E. Let's talk about evangelism. Okay? I think the evangelist went home. We've silenced now. I'm just kidding. Oh, he's, he's preaching down the street. Okay. All right. Thank you, Eric. Derek. All right. What does this stand for? Evangelist. Derek, tell me what you're involved in uh, this year that you've never really been involved in before. It, it's coming in September, but you're pretty excited about it. What is that? Starts with a revive. Revive Ohio. And what is Revive Ohio? Revive Ohio is where groups of churches come together and just go out in the community and just spread the word of the Lord. And how can we pray for those individuals? How can we um, how can we be a light in the darkness? And it's actually a concept of getting out into the world and sharing Jesus. Now, did I prompt him at what to say? Absolutely not. He spoke from his heart. Thank you, brother. All right. It, when I look at Eric, I've watched him grow over the last six years, and I've, I've, I've watched him want to be, desire to be mentored, and I've watched him desire to be a father who cares for his children, but I've also seen his heart begin to beat with evangelism. But I've seen that also in Becky and in Carrie and others where they want people to hear about Jesus, and they want people to come and be part, and, and they're naturally recruiting because they can't keep quiet, Okay? Those are some of the characteristics of evangelists. Inspirational. They recruit. They maintain a commitment to the gospel theology. Jimmy's an evangelist. Did you see that this morning? It's all about the gospel. And he loves to talk about it. But is he just an evangelist? No. But he is predisposed that way quite a bit. Okay? He may be disagreeing with me, but that's all right. We can take it up after the service. All right. But these are the mobilizers, the recruiters, the sales and marketing, the dealers, the journalists, and the networkers. People who love to, to network are predisposed this way. Did you know that your DNA in your body is 99.9% .9 like everybody else's in their body? It's just there's a few genes in each one of you that give you different hair color, different eyes, make you unique. Okay. Why do I say that right now? It has a purpose in the church. We're all humans. We all have a lot of similar tendencies. 
And yet God has chosen to gift us and make us slightly different as part of the DNA and building blocks of the church. Where you may approach things slightly different than someone else, but you have a very similar bent, a very similar gifting, because God has you functioning in that way. Let's keep going, because I'm running out of time. Would somebody please bring me uh, a pea? Dwight Johnson. The P. What does it stand for? Prophecy. Prophecy. Prophet. That, does it feel something like a hot potato that you had the P? Uh, that night you don't have the P, but uh, that you have the P. As I have gotten to know Dwight, I see his passion and his love for the Word of God. He loves to present, loves to teach, likes to keep it straight and true to what God is calling us to do. Am I correct in my assessment? Yep. There are others of you like that too. I've heard Jason exhibit some prophetic. When he preaches, he's simple, he's well thought out. And when he speaks, guess what you guys do? You listen. And he calls you to follow God. That's the, pro the prophetic gift coming out. Thank you, Dwight. Blessings to you. But it's exciting as, as we're thinking about this. And, and maybe as you're sitting there, and I haven't called your name, but you're thinking, well, hey, man, I'm that way too. Get together with Dwight. Get together and say, hey, I resonate when you call us to study the Word of God. That's what I want to help people do as well. All right, let's go a little bit further here. Let's go to a T. Does anybody have a T? This puzzle's coming together. Hmm. Phil, what does that stand for? Tiger. Teacher. Tiger. Yeah! Tiger. <laughs> Teacher. You know... <laughs> He's the eye of the tiger right here, buddy. Okay. But as you have listened to Phil's sermons, as you have heard him develop and expound, and, and is he not a God-given, natural, gifted teacher? Amen. God bless you, Phil. But there are others of you who are teachers as well. I was looking for uh, some others, if I couldn't find Phil this morning, to give this to. But God has given our congregation teachers, and he is stirring this gift, this bent in others of you as well. And I dream of a church that would have a school of teachers and a school of uh, shepherds and a school of prophets and a school of evangelists, and yes, a school of apostles, because that is how he has designed us. That is the ministry of how Christ operated on this earth as well. There's one remaining, and it's an A. Uh, who has an A this morning? Give me an A! Thank you. I just called out the apostles. Look at that. Okay. Nate, what's the stand for? Apostle. Apostle. You know, as I've gotten to know Nate, Nate... And I connected on a, a unique level that I, I've connected with very few people because Nate saw the essence and the paradigm of the church. And he sees the, he, 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 he gets excited about marketing and networking, and I'm making him nervous now, okay? <laughs> All right. But he exhibits some of the marks of an apostle. And I, okay, let's make it a little way, all right? But those, what is an apostle? Let me read. Those who organize around sentness, who maintain the integrity of the paradigm administratively and the DNA, they scale and scalability. If it's this big, this is what we need. If it's this big, this is what we need. We're systems people. That's just how I say we because I resonate 
with this particular bent. Okay. Church planners, entrepreneurs, innovators, organizational designers. Some of you are great at organizing things. Some of you not so great. Okay? We need one another. What do we see here in this, in this puzzle? All shapes, all pieces are equal. All pieces meet in the middle. Last night, Wanda and I were having a, a fun discussion, and she said something I've never really heard, heard her say out loud, but she admitted she had thought it many, many times. You know what it was? She said, man, there for years and years and years, I wished you would think like I would. And I lied, and I said, well, honey, I've never thought that about you, but... I realized that was a lie. Sorry, hon. Uh, you know, for years, there were times when we were at odds with one another because how come you think that way? We weren't always at odds because children kept coming, but we didn't appreciate what God had made for us to be together and complement one another in various approaches to the same thing. See what I'm saying? Mom and dad need to be on the same page when it comes to raising kids. Amen? But to do that, we have to appreciate that we don't think the same. And we go for the greater good and, and the unity of the Spirit. And the same thing is true in church, folks. You may be looking at this puzzle this morning and say, well, hey, I'm that, but I don't get how the teacher thinks. I don't get how the prophet thinks. I don't get how these things work. That's okay. Spend more time with him and ask God for wisdom and understanding, and he will help you because this is his design, not mine. And there's one more piece that's missing. Who has a piece on it that has J? Jane does. Okay. So what does it stand for, J? Jane? Jesus. Okay. Let's read on in this passage real quick. All right. Thank you, Jane. And, and yes, have you seen Jesus in Jane? Amen. All right. And we see Jesus in a lot of you. But let's read on this passage and let's look and, and say, uh, again, I'm going to back up to the, uh, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Okay. Notice that. To mature manhood. What can a mature man accomplish as he goes out and finds a wife? They can have a family. They can reproduce. An immature man cannot. Uh, he might have a child, but he may not be a daddy. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at that. To the measure of the stature. These are bodily uh, paradigms. The stature. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The world has plenty of that to throw at us. Amen? Rather, speaking the truth in love, sounds like a prophet coming on, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus who is the head of the body, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen? Wow! God's design for the church, the DNA of, a, of the body of Christ is seen right here. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, what about the gifts of serving and giving and faith and prayer and, and all of that? Those are mentioned as gifts, but those gifts help to flesh out these gifts. These are fundamentally necessary to be growing as the body of Christ. 
Sad to say, many times we look at this. You've heard of the, 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 the saying, there's an elephant in the room, and we don't want to talk about it. Here you see there's an ape in the room, and we don't want to talk about it. Traditionally, the churches in America, by and large, many of them have focused on shepherding and teaching about Jesus. And they're only half healthy. Many of them have not succeeded because Jesus gave a fivefold ministry. It says it very clearly right here in Ephesians chapter 4 that when he set up his church, he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. We need all of these functioning in the church in the 21st century because God has not changed. His spirit has not changed. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And for a church to be growing and building and healthy and reproducing, what does it need? All of these and all of you. So I'm excited today about Wellspring, and I'll tell you why. Yes, I have stepped away from the pulpit, from being your church planter, pastor. But I know, like Jesus told his disciples, that the things that have happened in the first five years will see even greater things if you will stay faithful to the calling that he has on your life, following Jesus, speaking the truth. Why are we a Bible church? Because we want to hear the word of the prophet. We want to be on mission with God. That's why we're in the mall. That's why we're an incarnational church. That's why we want people to encounter Jesus. That's why we want to embrace community because we want to be shepherded here. But we also want to engage culture because that's what we do as an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, teaching church. And that's what Christ intends. So that we grow up and that we become mature. What keeps us from not becoming mature but is when we become the center of our universe instead of the kingdom of heaven. When we are worried about all those things that Jesus said not to worry about, but he said, seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus, I had mentioned earlier, is the head of Christ, of the church, and he seeks to express his, as the head, he seeks to express his character and nature through his body. And as the head, he continues his earthly ministry. You are continuing and called to continue Jesus' earthly ministry. Don't be afraid, little flock. It's his church. It's his power. It's his spirit. And it's his gifts by his grace that he has called you to walk with him here and wherever you are. Do not be afraid. There's a fellow named David Prowse. Do you know who he is? Anybody know who he is? Oh, come on, Star Wars people. Who is he, Kevin? Who? No, Prowse. Yeah, I, I hinted with Star Wars. He played Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. How many of you are Star Wars fans? Come on. There he is. David Prowse. Okay, that's what he looks like. You know, he, he realized that he didn't really have to say his lines because his voice was so distorted, so he quit. He just would mumble something gibberish and let his co-actors figure out the response. 
but he's the guy who was inside the mask. But I bring him up because David Prowse is also somebody else over in the UK. He is the Green Cross man for the Green Cross Code. Have you ever heard of the Green Cross Code? Well, let me tell you what it is. In brief, here's what it is. Uh, it is, there were so many children getting hit on the highways over in, in England and in the UK that they, 25, 30 years ago, they started the Green Cross Code. And the Green Cross, Cross Code says, stop, look, listen, and think. And they've updated it, and now it's think, find the safest place to cross, stop, stand on the pavement near the curb, use your eyes and ears, look at all the traffic, and listen, Wait until it's safe to cross. If traffic's coming, let it pass. Look and listen. When it's safe, walk straight across the road. Arrive alive. Keep looking and listening. Not only is he using it for children, but for older people who are using headphones and, th- and phones and things like that. And it's called the Green Cross Code. Why did I mention it today in concluding? Here's why. Stop, look, listen, and think. Those are synonymous with the word repent. Jesus came preaching the news of the kingdom, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You may be sitting here today and and you say, man, I just don't get it. I'm here because somebody invited me today. But this, this kingdom of heaven business, this repentance business, I just don't get that. Well, like David Prowse gave, he said, I would much rather not scare kids, but go help save the lives of kids. And he was a champion, is a champion to this day for stop, look, listen, and think. And so my challenge to you this morning is to stop, look, listen, and think about what you just heard. I know all our worlds, are, our lives are going 110 mile an hour. But Jesus came saying, repent, stop, look, listen, and think, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I want to call you and encourage you and invite you to consider where you are in your journey. Are you journeying towards the kingdom of heaven? Are you near to God or are you far from him? I guess that's the evangelist in me. I want everyone to respond to the grace of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel. But in just a couple things for application today, I've had the privilege in the last couple of weeks to listen almost nonstop as I traveled. I've traveled about 5,000 miles from here to, to Tennessee, to Texas, to Albuquerque and back. And I took along the Bible on CD, and, and that's how I stayed awake. And I, just one after another, I would put in the next CD and the next CD. And I've had the privilege, folks, of listening from Genesis to into 1 Samuel, just one after another. The psalmist David says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you can't listen to the Torah without realizing that God is a holy God. That God is the one who calls us to himself, but at the same time, as a holy God, he does not stand for rebellion. He does not put up with it. Over and over and over again with his chosen people, they were inflicted with with a uh, plague. They were, the ground opened up and swallowed those who were rebellious. Fire came out from the Lord. Over and over again, we see that it is the fearful things to fall into the hands of an angry God. 
And I say that this morning, that the God of grace and the God of love is also a holy God who calls us to himself and wants to be in unity with us by his spirit. And yet, so many of us are in rebellion because we don't want to hear what the prophet says or what the word of God says. Application this morning, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Secondly, believe him, surrender to him, trust him, rely on him, love him. Propose to be teachable. Thirdly, serve him. Discover the DNA gift in yourself and begin to develop it. See yourself as part of something greater, God's plan for the church. And commit to be part of a healthy, growing body of Christ. And fourthly, church leaders, I'm talking to you, the team here at Wellspring. Teach the whole of God's counsel. Teach what you hear in his word as for the church today. Don't be afraid. Don't step back. God will give the increase. Twice in the last 10 years, I've been told by people, I've been told many times, but twice in two different church plants. Good luck with that. It will never happen here. Look what God has done. In spite of Ron Embleton, in spite of Jimmy, in spite of others, look what God has done. He has raised up his church as we have been faithful to preach the gospel and to endeavor to keep the main thing the main thing, which is Christ who died for our sins and the gospel and the reconciliation that comes with it. Christ said, I will build my church. May he continue to build you here at Wellspring. May God bless you. I love you. Thank you for letting me come in. Happy anniversary. And may God continue to multiply your efforts for his glory. Amen. Please stand if you are able. We chose a standard hymn, classic hymn to sing after Ron's message because this is our story, right? This is our song. So let's sing it to him this morning.
Thank you for a few more minutes of your attention. Uh, Chris Dewar, who uh, left from here to be a Plant City Church, uh, intended to be here. I have not seen him come in yet. Uh, He's coming from Canton, and I know he had to stop in and do some things this morning. So if he arrives, we'll introduce him at that point. So we're going to move in. I'd like to introduce uh, Aaron Catalis. Uh, He's from Faith Bible Church. Aaron, uh, personally to me, has been a brother and uh, a mentor to me, and I've known him uh, a rather long while in my short life, and so uh, look for an update from him and uh, what he's been doing since he left from us at Wellspring. Thank you, Nate. Lost connection. Oh, there we go. Yeah, boy, I remember coming to Alliance in 2008 be the assistant pastor at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, and that's where uh, Nate and I met, so um, going on 10 years, so thank you, uh, Nate, for inviting me back. It's great to see uh, what the Lord's done here. Some of your faces I recognize, others I don't, and uh, so uh, what has the Lord done? Well, he called us to Binghamton, New York, and that is, uh, well, we like to affectionately refer to New York as the People's Republic of New York. Uh, so, and, um, and Binghamton is a, a valley there in the Catskills, and it is a dark valley. It is a dark valley of liberalism, and it is a dark valley of church tradition. And we didn't really realize that. And we got called to a church that needed called to repentance, and um, that was a rough go. And, um, but the Lord did that miracle last Sunday night. Um, the church repented, and... Um, and they are headed, I think, to a glorious rebirth and will be restarted, relaunched next fall as Harvest Bible Church Binghamton. And so we're excited for that. And so that was what the Lord called us there. In a sense, I guess it was a bit of a prophetic ministry, a bit of a John the Baptist type ministry. Didn't, didn't quite want that, but that's what the Lord had. So, uh, so we are now in transition. We have... Um, 
through the organization of Harvest Bible Fellowship and a pastor, uh, Pastor Steve from Harvest Union County in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, they are going to be uh, continuing on. Uh, Steve is kind of an uh, apostle type guy, and that's what that church needs now. And we are headed to the Pittsburgh area. And um, so we'll, our house just sold, sold in a week, sold for $7,000 more than we asked. So that was an incredible blessing. And um, we will be headed to the Pittsburgh area June 14th to uh, see what the Lord has us for there. We're not quite sure. We're um, going to take a, a bit of a sabbatical and um, just be doing, um, taking over my parents' um, pet business. And um, there is a harvest church plant going to launch there in 2019. We're, we're praying about um, what the Lord might uh, have for us as far as involvement in there. So um, not sure what's ahead, but um, we know our God is good, and he has provided and cared for us um, these many years and will continue to do so. Uh, so I guess that's an update. Uh, personally, uh, our children, uh, Sherry, some of you know, remember Sherry. She's 19. She's a cosmetologist. And then our youngest is right over there next to Lily. And they used to be in the nursery here together and uh, getting reacquainted. So, um, And there are uh, a bunch in the middle, so six all together. So anyway, all right, uh, Nathan. Uh, all right, uh, so we have uh, Derek coming. He's asked to, uh, for a baby dedication, so we're little Willow. So we're going to go ahead with that. Um, so, again, I met Derek and Casey at Mount Pleasant, and uh, I don't know. when. That was right at the same time, right? Yeah, 2007, eight there. And um, I was a brand-new assistant pastor. I was a school teacher before that, and they got to be the first people that I baptized. And I didn't do a very good job around them, water up their nose and... And uh, so here we are um, uh, going to dedicate uh, this really cute little girl. So I'm going to read um, a few brief passages of Scripture, and then we'll go ahead and pray for this dear family. Um, uh, the first is actually from Psalm 127, uh, probably a familiar text. Uh, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. So there you go. They got three rewards. You've been rewarded three times, guys. And, um, and that's a great blessing. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior uh, are the children of one's youth. So I guess I, I, people always ask me, how do you know when to have stopping children? When you're not young anymore, okay? And that's different for all of us. Um, but it's, um, so Derek is the warrior, and these are his three arrows. Uh, Casey, uh, the warrior et, I guess, and those are her three arrows. And it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Not, they, Derek thinks his quivers, they think they're full, but we'll see. we thought our was, was full, uh, and uh, the Lord had their plans. So, uh, yeah, um, you're blessed. You're uh, happy. Um, that, that's what that word means, happy. So uh, the other text I want to read is actually a bit of a baby dedication, and this is from 1 Samuel. Ron mentioned that he had uh, got, got there, so maybe this will be familiar, but this is Hannah, who could not have children and prayed, and then she was able to, and here is uh, her, um, a bit of her dedication. So uh, Hannah and her family um, uh, arrive uh, 
to uh, hand over the, the little boy Samuel. He's maybe two, three, four, I don't know. And um, she says to the priest, she says, My Lord, as you live, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And then she sings a song or prays a song, and then it concludes with that her and her husband went home, and the boy ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. And so that's really what we have here for little Will. When we dedicate this baby, we're, we're in a sense lending him to the Lord. The Lord has given them this little sweet child, and now they are dedicating or, or lending him or her back to the Lord. And in a sense saying, we're going to do everything we can so that this little child will grow up and minister to the Lord, worship the Lord. And we're actually calling on you now as their church family to support them in this. Well, I think she's saying be quiet and get on with this. So <laughs> let's pray. Gracious Father, we just uh, we love you. I thank you that for all that's gone on this morning, for the testimonies, for the message, the music. And I thank you for this dear family, and I thank you for this little girl. And I, I just pray that this church and, and, and Derek and Casey, Lord, would just be overshadowed by your spirit as they would... Uh, come together and minister to this uh, little girl, and that Willow would be lent to you this day in a special way, that she would grow up to be a worshiper, a lover of the Lord Jesus. And we know that you have just um, knit her together, and you love her, and you uh, paid for her sin long ago, Lord Jesus. Today we give her back to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Oh, good day. And to make it better, Chris Dewars just came in. Chris, come on up. Chris uh, left here about three years ago, three and a half years ago, to plant a church in Canton, City Church Canton. And he's going to give us just a quick overview of City Church Canton, and then we have a couple instructions. So, Chris, thank you for coming. He had to stop there this morning. They have moved from one location in the church to another, and it was, it's a busy time for him. I, I really appreciate Aaron and Jimmy and Chris coming in this morning. Don't you? Thank you guys very much. And Ron, too. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Uh, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm with City Church in Canton. Was formerly from Wellspring Bible Church. Not a pastor here. I did work as more of an administrator. Um, so I'm going to give you a brief update on where I was before I got to Wellspring, during my time here, because I was only here from about 2013 through the midpoint of 2014. So many of you are faces I'm not familiar with. So, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, I entered Wellspring during a very big time of transition in my life. I had been a pastor at another local church. Um, I had been, I had to choose to leave that church for a number of different reasons that had happened. And... My wife and I were just floored 
I had been a pastor for about six years at that point, seven years at that point. A large portion of my identity was tied up in being a pastor, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know who I was. My wife was about a month away from having our first child at the time. We have two now, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. I got two girls. Uh, we were one month away from having our first child, and I was basically spiraling downwards a little bit. I didn't know what to do. We were looking for a church to be a part of, and I used to be in the CMA. And so on the CMA's website at one point, Wellspring was listed as a church plant they were supporting. And I'm like, this is interesting. So we left that church on a Wednesday, and on Sunday we were here. And Pastor Ron took me out to lunch directly after the service. And in that moment, in that time, he helped me remember who I am. He said, okay, so you're not a pastor now, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're still a husband to your wife, Crispy. Yes, I am. And you're about to be a dad, right? Yes, I am. He's like, well, and you're still a servant of Jesus, right? Yes, I am. He's like, okay, you've got plenty of identity right now. You've got a lot. So in that time, I actually was able to really quickly start healing from some of the hurt I had gone through. Uh, very quickly started planning on moving back into Canton and replanting in Canton. I love the city there, and I love the people. And so my uh, current associate pastor and I started planning on how to plant into Canton. We were planning on starting from a missional community base. We were planning on starting with four people and then building out a missional community in one of our houses, right? Uh, and then, because Jesus likes to be funny sometimes, that is not what happened. Uh, a church I had been a part of before, while we were planning to plant, was winding down. They chose to end their church operation and join into ours. And so we went from being four people who were going to be out of a house to having a building to maintain, having a congregation of about 30 people who were very hurt at the time, and we had to quickly shift our entire strategy. So good news, over about a year, we were able to help these people heal from some of the hurts they had gone through. We were able to start shifting them into having an outward-facing mindset again. And then another church in the community had the same thing happen. They chose to shut down and join into ours. So we got to start that process all over again with about 10 more people. And so we spent the first two years of our life just helping people heal and recognize that they still have identity in Christ and that they still have a mission in Christ, which is to go forth and proclaim him to a world that desperately needs him, right? So about two years ago, about one year ago, over the winter, we started to max out the building we were in. It's not a very large space. About half of what is here probably is where we were at. So you have 99 people in there, and all of a sudden it feels like, oh, my goodness. Um, I've been to concerts that were more comfortable, where I was more spaced out. I have been in mosh pits that were more spaced out than this, right? And so we quickly started looking for a new place to worship. We drew up a heat map of where all of our people lived, and we put through uh, a bunch of different places that were in that area that we could ask or start praying about moving towards. We found this Korean church that was there who have their only service at 1.30 in the afternoon. They have the old Christ United Methodist Church in Canton, right off of Cleveland Avenue. Uh, they are an aging congregation, and they still want to reach out to their community well that they didn't know how to. At the time, we saw them and thought, that's interesting. Then about four months later, we had completely forgotten everything we were doing for a while because, you know, life gets in the way at times. We went and spoke to them, and they welcomed us back in. Over the course of the next six or seven months, we transitioned into a new space. We're now worshiping in uh, the Korean United Methodist Church in Canton. They've given us the space there. Uh, we were worshiping with them in, <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't be more blessed by this church, guys. 
Pastor Yu and his congregation are amazing. They love Jesus with all their hearts. They proclaim him as they can every day, and they want us to help them learn how to reach out to the community. So they're embracing us and welcoming us in, and that is not something that normally happens from a church that is aging to a younger congregation, right? It's wonderful. They provided us a needed space that is literally right in the middle of where all of our people live. It's right in the middle of one of the most densely populated portions of Canton, one of the poorer parts of Canton. Uh, it's a place that people don't really associate with Canton because it's mainly between north and south. And so it's a place where we can actually proclaim well. If you guys wouldn't mind praying for us, one of the things that we're trying to work on is how to best reach out to the neighborhood that is behind us. Uh, for most of our existence, we've been in a random strip mall location. And so it was not very easy for us to reach the community around us. We were in a strip mall that was right next to one of the richest parts of Canton. Most of the people there didn't want to go to church in a strip mall. The place that we're at now, we have an opportunity to reach out well to the people who surround us. So if you wouldn't mind, we want to show people the love of Christ as we best can. City's mission is to love God, love people, and show people God. Right? If you as a person are doing that, you're a disciple of Christ. If you are loving them, loving God, and showing them God. So if you wouldn't mind, be praying for us for that purpose. <laughs> Make sense? Yeah. Thank you all for having me out today. I appreciate you letting me be here. It's wonderful to see so many familiar faces and to see so many I've never met before. This is very exciting, guys. Stay here, Chris, just for a minute. Ron, Aaron, Jimmy, would you guys come back, please? I think it'd be good for us to close in a word of prayer. And, you know, at the core of these guys being is their heart is to be involved in what Christ wants to do. But the key to that, the foundational part of that, is that we are followers of Jesus. Right, guys? We are followers of Jesus. And sometimes that can get lost. And so let's pray together. And maybe you'd just stand with me as we pray. And let's pray for these four men, and let's pray for their ministries and for what the Lord will do with them, and then for Wellspring as well. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these men. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in their life, what you will do. Lord, I pray, and with earnestness, with all that I understand, that in the core of their being, or they will recognize that they are first and foremost followers of Jesus, that what drives their life, what drives their life in their family as fathers, and what drives their life in their ministry as pastors and leaders would be that they are your followers. And God, in the days when they're discouraged and dark, then remind them that they are your followers. In the days when all is going well and, and they feel like that uh, they're in a perfect world, remind them that they're your followers. And I pray that for all of us this morning. And God, we want to be followers of Christ as we learn you, as we walk with you. And I pray for Wellspring. God, would you use this church and the followers who are here to develop a community of followers around us. Lord, help us to reach our world in the name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus, who saved us and keeps us. Amen. Thank you, folks. We'll give you a word of instruction in just a second.